1: Welcome to Military Network Radio, and we're very glad that you've joined us this morning. You know, we really do try and cover a number of topics because the military experience is such a broad one, and sometimes things don't get talked about as much as we feel that they are important to learn about. So we're going to be talking today about widowhood and what happens when your veteran or your, excuse me, your service member dies either in combat or at home or all sorts of things. And we're going to be talking about the effect of the immediate notification, the process, the suddenness of the death and what it means. And we will talk about this from all different perspectives, including how you come out on the other side. So I'm joined today by Jason McNamara. Good morning, Jason. Hey, good morning, everyone nice to have you back on i don't know if you're in san diego so you're not experiencing this 15 degree stuff that we have that's right (laughs) i'm so green i'm transporting myself there mentally but let's talk about sudden death and notification in the family sure because it's very abrupt no warning generally speaking and it can be especially cruel because of timing can you speak to that
2: yeah, sure. I, I mean, the the reality is um, is that there's not really a framework that that creates a supporting mechanism for something like this. Um, we experience it overseas when we're deployed, and we may or may not have lost um, service members or our fellow brothers and sisters in a deployment. And you know, there are the, the pieces that come together in a quick in a quick way um, aren't really a supporting mechanism, and so. The the troops and the loved ones at home and the family members, um, they're all left uh, to sort of navigate through some of these uncharted waters. And so um, I think it's a lonely period, and it's a topic that I'm excited to talk about today.
1: Yeah, I know. I I agree with you. And um, lonely period is an excellent way to put it, because let's face it, any death in the family makes you reflect on dates makes you look at uh what was what you were anticipating it cuts abruptly into your expectations and anticipation of the future and i think it there's never good timing obviously but the hard part for me as i reflect on it is that there's no time to say goodbye i know that when you're preparing for deployment they do talk to you about, you know, here's the letter you write, here's what you do. And while everyone is given instructions, if you will, there's a lot that's left unfinished. Would you agree?
2: Totally. And I, I think there's something that's really important, and this speaks more towards the, the family members and the loved okay. ones. But the, the, the idea of a confirmation bias, right? So this idea mm-hmm. that your loved one is getting deployed Mm-hmm. And immediately you have fears that are instilled in you because of that notification. Um, and you know, you're sort of waiting under your breath for, uh, for them to any moments or any, any inclination of communication that they're still alive. But in the, the sad moments where they actually don't make it back or there is a sudden death, um, you know, you have now another piece of evidence that confirms, this this fear and so you start to feed off of it and so that piece is really um i would say taxing on on the loved ones and on the Mm -hmm. support mechanisms that are around the veterans and that becomes something that is um difficult to shake and and that that model gets replicated throughout at least my experiences in dealing with with my brothers and sisters that have fallen have have been that their family members take that experience and replicate that in other experiences throughout their life. And so there's this sort of um, ripple effect, if you will, Mm. that that applies not only to to them in the immediate instance, but also future uh, experiences and exposure.
1: You know, it's true. And I think fear and the complete loss of any control over the situation for the family members at home, you you. You may try and and learn over time to manage those fears and the concerns and the thoughts. But if you see a notification team come into the community, it affects everyone in that community. Absolutely. Okay, well, we are going to be talking today with Amber Baum, a veteran herself who was married to another veteran, and we'll let you uh, hear her story from her. She and I recently met online and I loved her story because it was compelling in the hope that it brought out of the tragic event, the loss of her husband, and it's a wonderful story of how you can take the worst things in life and turn them around and leave a legacy that's very positive and uplifting. And I know that's hard to believe those two things, you know, death and uplifting, but Amber has done it. And it is just a, with really amazing respect that we welcome you, Amber, to Military Network Radio this morning. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. You know, when you and I spoke, we had a very long conversation yeah. and, and I I don't want to give your story out. So I'd like you to tell us a a brief synopsis of, you know, when you met Ryan and what happened in a very short period of time, if you look at the scheme of things, and and
3: just set the stage for what we'll talk about today. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, So, Ryan and I met... in combat medic school down in texas i joined the army when i was in high school he joined it a little bit afterwards um and our my maiden last name and his last name were close so he was standing right in front of me in formation and uh before we knew it we we were dating and um after graduation from that school, I went on to college and Ryan went on to several other schools, um, airborne school and ranger school. And then he was given the assignment to go to Alaska, which is considered an overseas assignment. So in order for me to go with him, we had to get married. So that was the next thing on our checklist of life. Um, We got married in Colorado, his home state, and what seemed to be just a week almost, um, I was up in Alaska living with him. Um, The third of the 509th was newly formed up there, um, or newly reinstated, I should say, and uh, they were just incredibly welcoming. Um, So we lived up there for a couple of years, and then we found out Ryan was getting deployed, and uh, three short weeks before he was getting deployed, we unexpectedly found out I was pregnant. So,
1: um, uh, the timing of life, <laughs> yes, exactly,
3: exactly. So he left and I kind of popped around between his family and my family here, uh, in, in America. And, um, and, uh, then I had gotten one of only a couple calls that I received from him almost the entire year he was gone and it was right before he was supposed to come home. And he said he had lost some of that weight and, uh, not that he had any to lose, but he said he needed, um some, some new pants to go shopping and get him some new pants. So I went out shopping and I had come home and I had expecting, I was expecting him to come home in about 12 hours. Um, and I was very nine months pregnant and, um, and I, I, we were living on base and I was driving to my home and, um, then I saw everything. I saw all of the ambulances, um, the the chaplain, the police mm. cars. And um, at first I I couldn't even, I thought, Oh my goodness, there must be an accident on the road. I hope someone's okay. You know, it was a beautiful time of the year. People were out jogging and, and I didn't hadn't even thought of it. And then I got closer and I started to see everybody on their front doorsteps and most people were sobbing and crying. And then I put two and two together that they were there for me. so yeah so um within 24 hours I was on a plane um with a nurse's approval back to Pennsylvania uh, to be with my family where my family lives and my parents um took me in with loving arms and supported me completely and uh, we got through um the birth of our daughter Leah and she's now nine and just the joy of my life and um and, uh, so that was the quick synopsis of, uh, you know, how we met and, and how we got to his unfortunate death in Iraq and, um, and then the birth of Leia, Um, and then after Ryan was killed, I was just, I was so lost. I couldn't find life to meeting. Um, he was my life, my meeting to life. And, um, it was then that I came across some very, um, Wonderful military specific nonprofit organizations that helped me find purpose in grief and that purpose was community service. And it was from those organizations and with that community service that I learned that Ryan's legacy didn't have to die in Iraq on the battlefield. I could carry it with me and Leah can carry it with her. And we can do that through servicing the world through our acts of service. Um, So I've had the immense opportunity and privilege to travel to um, Guatemala and Peru with the Travis Mannion Foundation. We've done things like build homes and helped underprivileged school kids and helped build up parts of a school and and teach lessons. And we worked with the Special Olympics in Maryland, Delay and I have, and just do wonderful cleanup community service and teaching opportunities. Around our local area um, and in every place we honor Ryan and she honors her dad and it's through that that we attach immense pride and joy um, to his death and it, it has a purpose on this earth so while Ryan's physical body might not be here we can ensure his spirit is and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing and it, it took our grief journey from Struggling and hopeless wandering to excelling and thriving, and you know, uh,
1: Amber, I love this. We're coming up on our first break, and I want to make sure that we don't um, lose the bits of the story. But thank you for sharing that. I know that wasn't easy, but very important to hear about. And so we will go on a short break, and then after the break, Amber will talk more in detail about that journey that she just summed up in about. 10 seconds at the very end, and we look forward to hearing more. You're listening to Military Network Radio, and we're talking with Amber Baum of Widow Confidential, and we will be back after these short messages.
0: We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
4: Voters reminds you that on Election Day, we are all equal. Please join your friends and neighbors by registering to vote and going to the polls November 8th. Visit www.vote411.org to find out who will be on your ballot and how the voting process works in your community. This election is about our future and we all need Way in.
0: It's
4: Derek Thompson, co founder of the Save the Elephant Foundation, was taking a rescued elephant named Kam La for a walk along the river. As they were walking, Derek decided to stop and take a dip in the water. But when he called to La, who was waiting on the shore, the elephant thought he was in trouble and came running to his rescue. Kamla charged through the water, sheltering him with her body and offering her trunk for him to hold on to. What's another word for a trained elephant? A kumki. Elephant trainers in Asia are known as mahouts. And the padded seat or saddle used to ride on an elephant is called a howdah Kamla and her mother, Bai Tui are among the 70 elephants the foundation has rescued since its inception. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're talking with Amber Baum about Widow Confidential and the loss of a service member and what that feels like. Amber, I love the way you were able to sum up from start to finish your meeting, Ryan, and all the way to the legacy that you're creating in about 10 minutes. And I imagine that is something that you have spoken about many, many times before. But I'd love it if you would let us go back and talk about some of those details in between. Because I think others, having gone through this or wondering if they may go through it someday, can learn a great deal from your experience. So if you're okay, let's go back to Alaska. You were pregnant. Yes. Ryan left for Iraq. Yes, and you only spoke three times in eight months. You told me. Yes. And so then, how did you even find out that you were having a girl? And and what was his response? And and what was that time period
3: like? Oh my goodness! I'm so glad you asked that because it's one of my favorite memories from his deployment. Um, so, you know, I pretty much did the pregnancy thing on my own back in the states. Um, as far as him and I, Um, and uh, we, you know, I think every, almost most men want that first son, that oldest son to carry on that legacy. So he was secretly hoping for a boy, but um, we had, I uh, got the gender ultrasound with my, my parents were present. We found out I was having a a baby girl and I was just elated. I was so excited. Um, And I had no way to tell him um, because he was off of a base. Um, He was on a forward operating base and they didn't have technology where they were. Um, And he could access computers, very rarely. Um, but I, I just wanted him to find out immediately. So I called who I could to let um Ryan know somehow, some way that we were having a girl. Um, so they got word to Iraq over an army radio and their code, the name was Code Pink <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> So that's how he found out. And I spoke with a man who he served with, who was with him at the time. He heard Code Pink and said that he started tearing up, which says a lot for Ryan. So it was very exciting and just a really special moment for us. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I want to unpack that just a, a little bit deeper, if, if I can. Um, the This whole idea of um, carrying your pregnancy um, really an absence of, of your supporting partner. Can you talk a little bit about how you um, overcame some of the loneliness and some of the, probably I'm assuming here, some de- depressing moments?
3: You know, I didn't really go through too much depression. I had an amazing pregnancy. Um, it was easy for me. I loved, I loved being pregnant. I loved the thought of being able to um, build and grow our family. And um Perhaps because I was a veteran as well. Um I had a lot more ease with his deployment. I wasn't as worried or petrified that something would happen. So I didn't live in an everyday fear, oh my goodness, something would happen. Um I, quite naive to be honest. Um and uh so I didn't have too much stress behind it. I had a great support system um with my friends and my family and my hometown was very good to me. And um, it was just Honestly, checking off days on a calendar, we uh, arranged Ryan's uh, mid-tour leave to where he could come home right around the pregnancy. I mean, the birth of our child. Um, and and so it was just a checkoff list. It wasn't really a worry for me. Um, it was the support that was put in around me through his unit in the military and through my family and friends that I was able to, to get through every day and just almost be excited, like a countdown to Christmas, but it was a countdown to him coming home and us having a baby.
0: Sure.
2: Yeah. And, and I think you mentioned something that I I kind of want to call this out because I think it's important is that, you know, you have being a veteran yourself kind of understood the call of duty, right. And this, this call to service, and what I hear you saying, in a lot of ways, is that you were just sort of carrying uh, your part of the team, right? And sort of absolutely, carrying
3: through,
2: yeah, carrying through the finish line and um, seeing this as a as a true um, service to to both Ryan and and uh, the larger veteran community.
3: Absolutely, in a military relationship, there you yeah. know there are two people in that military yeah. service, and and being at home and being the partner to someone who is deployed is is just as strenuous. Um, in, in some ways then uh you know to to carry on
2: so so keeping through that strength for a second um did you ha- find yourself like having to explain yourself to maybe um you know fellow either, either friends back home who maybe didn't understand why you were doing this so easily or you know what was that communication like with folks that were maybe once removed from this
3: I had a tremendous amount of support. The general population was incredibly supportive of me. Um, my hometown, uh, which is Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. They're very patriotic there. And I had immense support his hometown, Aurora, Colorado. They were very supportive of me. Um, I had a tremendous amount of, of love coming my way. And especially when I was back in Alaska on base, it was, I never went a day without somebody visiting me and making sure I was okay. Whether it was from his rear D or whether it was one of, um, his partner's uh wives or girlfriends coming to check on me it was it was never a dull moment and um you know perhaps it was all in in a you know a grand scheme to keep me busy and keep my mind off of things but it it really it worked out and I was I was very supported um I felt more supported pregnant to be honest and this is kind of getting onto a darker side but I felt more supported pregnant than I did as a widow Um, so so when I was pregnant, it was, it was wonderful. I had an amazing experience. I
2: think we're, I think we're going to unpack that part in, a little bit later uh, for, for sure. We are. But yeah, right. Right. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm, I want to say thank you for everything that you do. Um, both during I agree. this time, uh, I don't really have, <laughs> it's very few times that I have, um, a loss of words or, um, <laughs> not, not a podium to talk from. Cause I like to hear myself talk, but, um, just, Thank you for everything. And uh, from one veteran to another, my heart goes out to you. Thank you.
1: You know, speaking of that, Amber, um, at some point, you were discharged from the Army, separated out. Difficult process, although necessary?
3: Um, You know, looking back at the time, it was, you know, emotions are, are wild. You have so many secondary losses when, you know, The primary loss is the person who died, but then afterwards you have your, your, your loss of everything else that kind of comes crumbling down after it. And, uh, my emotions now compared to what they were at the time are different. Um, at the time I was just angry at everything, um, not necessarily at the loss of my, um, my cert, my time in service, but just angry in general, that was a grief stage that I stuck on for quite some time. But, um, I had an immense support system looking back in, in my, in my unit that I was in. Um, my, my peers and my superiors were incredible. Um, some of them are still in the military and still to this day support me, um, from afar, uh, with support and, um, moral, um, moral love. Um, so when Ryan was killed, um, we didn't have a family care plan, which if you're in the military, you, you know what a family care plan is if you have a family. So because of that, um, I was honorably discharged from the military as a sole surviving parent in the case where if something were to happen to me, Leia would be an orphan. Um, and the military doesn't allow that anymore for good, for good reason. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I was discharged, um, shortly thereafter Ryan's death and, um, kind of went on my next journey of life to find out what I was going to be when I grew up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's no small thing, no. A, a new infant. And, and talk us through where you were at this point. So you, were you back in Gettysburg or were
3: you in Colorado? Um, when Ryan was killed, I was in Alaska um, okay. and we were living on base. So we had a short time frame to get off well I had a short time frame to get off base. Um so it was a loss of a couple of things. You know, it was a loss of my my job, it was a loss of my husband, it was a loss of our home. It was just a lot of loss all quickly. Um, but uh I had an amazing uh friend up there and I assigned a power of attorney of my life over to her and I said pack up my house, pack up my car, pack up my life and ship it back east to the East Coast because I, I can't look at it right now. I was just in that shock phase where I didn't even want to go inside of my house. I was so upset. Um, and I didn't want to see anything that reminded us of the life that was now taken from me. Um, so yeah, I, I went back to, to, Gettysburg and it's there where, you know, at my family's house, they have a little farm and, um, my daughter and I just kind of lived our days recouping and recovering and loving on each other. And, um, on, that farm. And it was, it was peaceful. And, you know, if it wasn't for that setting and if it wasn't for that support network, I don't know if I could be where I am today. They really helped pick up the pieces when I was most shattered.
1: You know, it's wonderful that you had that family support system. And it sounds like a really terrific environment in which to try and put some of these pieces back together. I know that that cannot have been um, an easy time period under a- any stretch of the imagination and I'd love to talk more about that um, we're coming up on our second break and I would love to talk to you more about those details and, and about your amazing daughter and your baby and and how that time period went because it's such a fleeting time yeah before that though I have a wonderful bit of news um, I'm pleased to share we have a new sponsor in Blue Apron the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country I loved learning that Blue Apron has over 150 partnerships with local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S. for the freshest ingredients and a positive contribution to each community. I did not know that before looking into this more. We're all very, very busy, and shopping is not one of my favorite tasks but cooking is gratifying and creating a delicious meal with fresh, high quality ingredients delivered right to your front door is great. What I appreciate is that cooking a meal in 40 minutes or less with one of their many recipes lets you put the love into your meal. And so often we miss that. And aren't you and your family worth it? I have placed the first order and I'm anticipating the delivery on Friday, and the convenience, variety, and affordability is wonderful. Check out this week's menu, and you get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com, Military Network, And again, I'm looking forward to my first delivery, and I know you will too. So don't wait. That's BlueApron.com, Military Network. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And Amber, I am really looking forward to talking more about where we're going with your journey because it starts out – you know, it's almost storybook at a combat Medic school where you meet, you move to Alaska, things are going well, and tragedy hits. But remarkably so, your strength, courage, and resilience is amazing. And that resilience word is so overused, but in this case, you are you know, the picture of you is right next to the word in the dictionary. So thank you for sharing these details with us, and we'll talk more about Amber's journey when she's got a baby and she's moving into the next stage of life and i I just know that we're going to be continued to be really impressed with the steps made as she goes forth and learns more about herself as she goes through the journey we'll be right back
0: network radio and we'll be right back after these short messages
4: Here are some tips from the popular UK internet site, BuzzFeed, to help make your life a little more fun. Next time you catch a cold, try adding a touch of magic by holding a handful of glitter in front of your mouth just before you sneeze. By the way, here's a word coined by a Canadian disc jockey for that feeling you get just before you sneeze. Anticipation. Hey, slang is just language with its sleeves rolled up. The actual medical term for sneezing is sternutation. Here's a suggestion from one tech for making a cell phone last longer. You can double the battery life of your cell phone by simply putting the darn thing down. Well, that's plain old rumble-gumption, which is another word for common sense. It's marching. Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success, more stability, more happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen.
0: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. I want to correct a mistake I made in the Blue Apron address. It's blueapron.com forward slash military network. Blueapron.com forward slash military network. I believe I left out the slash. My mistake. Amber, let's go back to talking about you're in Pennsylvania, and you know they always talk about the the stages of grief, and uh, you know I'm sure you were given all the books and and were tapped into the military nonprofit or grief. And talk a little bit about how that felt with your brand new baby. And I'm so glad you had your family around you because having that first grandchild and and being around family members has to help a little bit.
3: Yeah, it it was wonderful. You know, I always say, Leah and I have an incredibly special bond because we're more than just moderate mother and daughter. She, I look at her in, in some ways as my savior. Um, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for wanting to push forward because of her and because of her love and her support. Um, so having Leia was just the greatest blessing in life. And I think that it was, you know, in my own way, whether it was or wasn't, I rationalize it as, you know, Ryan's greatest gift that he could have ever given to me and his parting token from this life. Um, and she is, oh man, she is my whole world. She, uh, she's really something quite special. And, um, and she has a light and life and energy to her that, and obviously I'm partial, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) She should be. She's phenomenal. She's really great. And it was wonderful, you know, having my parents be able to experience every single day the first few years of her life. Um and uh they're incredibly close. Um and it warms my heart to be able to see them, be so close to her. And even when she gets mad at me, which she's coming in that tween stage. So sometimes it happens. <laughs> She'll want to storm off and not talk to me, but she'll call her grandparents and talk to them. So it's really warming knowing that, you know, she has them to to be her her uh, her brick and mortar when she's mad at me.
1: (laughs) I think that's a wonderful thing to have. You know, the multigenerational connections are are not to be minimized. They're fantastic. Can we ask what happened
3: with Ryan's family? Did you stay close to them? You know, um, the first few years of Leia's life, I want to say up until she was about four, we were extremely close with them. Um, we had ups and downs, um, you know, grief, grief does something to everybody. Um, the last couple of years, we haven't been as close. Um, but, um, we still make sure that, you know, we're able to honor Ryan's legacy in the, in the best way that we can.
1: Makes sense. So, you had a brand new baby. You have this grief to, uh, grapple with mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better word. And yet you sound so remarkably together. Were you together during all of that period? Or was there any time period that you said you were angry for a while,
3: but what was more of the journey like? Oh, no, I was not together. <laughs> uh, not at all. Um, I I was shattered in a million pieces. Um, And I always say that, you know, every bit that helped me, my family, the networks that were around me, the military nonprofits, um, everybody gave me the legs to stand on when I didn't have any, um, especially Leah and and grief ruled my life for a very long time and I had a neon blinking sign on my forehead that said widow and everywhere I went I wanted people to know I want I pulled my widow card don't mess with me I'm a widow please don't do this I'm a widow I just I couldn't deal with it I I had no meaning to his loss and he was young he was only in his late 20s and And he never got to meet his daughter. And I just, I couldn't, I I couldn't deal with it. And for that, I was angry. I just walked around with a chip on my shoulder. And I think before then I was so naive and I said yes to everything the world had to offer. And I trusted in the world and, and the world kind of turned its back on me or so I felt. Um, So yeah, I, I was, I was stuck in anger for a long time in grief.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably, um, completely expected, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. sort of the pathway, um, at least in my layman's understanding. But I, I want to talk about something that I think we talked about maybe 20 minutes ago, and that is um, you were used to receiving this sort of overwhelming support in the military during your pregnancy and during Ryan's deployment. And that feelings and and those uh, support mechanisms um, didn't necessarily transfer over as you right. became a widow. a a widow can you talk more about that yeah experiences and and also very curious about your expectations now because once you know here you had a support mechanism during a crisis that you had become accustomed to and now what you were experiencing was sort of contradictory to that
3: right yeah um that's a great question so when you're in the military your family you know it is one big family and it is um you know barbecues every night or you know just you always have somebody you're never alone um And when Ryan was killed, um, you know, not for a lack of character amongst anybody, I'm not attacking anybody's character, but I kind of became... That scarlet letter, you know, uh the wives didn't want to be near me anymore because I was the lady that reminded them that their husbands could die. Um, and the men did not want to be around me because I was the lady that reminded them that their best friend did die. And I was the lady that reminded them that they saw Ryan alive and well one second and being put on to a helicopter dead the next second. So um I was that person that reminded everybody that life was short and death could easily happen. Um, so my military, um, support system from his unit drastically fell. Um, the support from my unit was overwhelming and outpouring. Um, but, I was bitter at that point in time at the military because it was because of the military that my husband was dead or so I put into context at that time. So I I turned my back on them and not, not in a, in a mean way, just kind of went silent radio silent. And, um, And uh, so didn't, you know, didn't really open up to them about that. But also, I personally felt that in the we're operating in the civilian world, (laughs) um, as a woman without a ring on her finger anymore, and with a newborn child, and I was 21 years old. um, I received a lot of unwelcoming comments, unwelcoming questions, unwelcoming stares, especially when Leia, as a newborn was throwing a fit or crying or, you know, teething, whatever have you in the middle of the store. And people, you know, did not want to hear my child crying and was wondering why I couldn't do it all and was wearing two different shoes in the grocery store and my hair was a mess. And it was, it was, it was a tough time. Um, and, um, the support was very, um, it, it was a lack of support, to be honest. It was quite critical. Um, and another part of grieving, um especially as a military widow, but you know, a lot of a lot of widows who are not military um, have a set of expectations placed upon them by, Every single person they know. Um, And that set of expectations is what is, how are they going to raise their child now that the husband's not there? Oh, well, Ryan wouldn't have wanted this or Ryan would have wanted this or Ryan wouldn't have wanted you to do this or Ryan would have wanted you to do this. And are you sure that's honoring what Ryan would have wanted you to do? And the person who dies automatically gets put on a godlike pedestal and nothing you do is ever good enough for that pedestal. And, um, you know, everybody wants you to live a life and to parent as though two people were still alive, but only one person is. So it was very, very challenging.
1: You know, Amber, you talk about the judgments that you Mm -hmm. were given, um, and you were so very young. To manage that kind of uh condemnation i'll call it um at at a time that you were very fragile did you find that you had outlets and help for you from your family and outside or was it a very very lonely time as jason put it in the very
3: beginning yeah jason hit it spot on it was lonely It was, it was very, very lonely. You know, even it was what it's those sounds so cliche, but it was, you're in a crowded room, but you feel so alone because you go through so much that if you tell a person who's not a widow, they look at you and think you're crazy. Like, well, maybe they weren't staring at you because of that. Or, well, maybe, maybe you just misunderstood them or, well, maybe you just need to do that. And, you know, it's so easy to, uh, Monday morning quarterback the whole grief situation, but, um, until you walk that walk, it is—it's—it's it's very lonely. It, it is, um, and you go through a lot. And your who you were in life up to the second that person dies is completely different from who you are the second after that person dies. Um, everything about you changes. And um, people don't like that change. They don't know how to deal with that change. You're, you yourself, you're figuring out what it means to be this new person and to have this new outlook on life. And it can be very lonely and ostracizing. I find that so sad
1: to hear, but I absolutely believe you on every single point. It's It's just that it makes perfect sense why you wore your blinking widow on your forehead, mm-hmm. because at least that may have helped some people understand. I would hope that some of those people today understand a, a little more compassionately than they did then. As, as you went through those periods of
3: time, what was your outlet? Um, Leia, Leia was my outlet really, um, just pouring myself into her, um, like i said hopelessly wandering what what did i i had no passion for anything outside of raising leia um so i was just trying to find out what i wanted to be what i was good at what i liked what i loved what would make me happy and up until oh my gosh probably 3 years ago i I didn't know it took me almost a decade to figure out what I wanted to do and what would make me happy and what would give me purpose and make me a proud mom for Leia. So um, that's when I had gotten involved um, heavily in the nonprofit, um, the Travis Manion Foundation, and really learn about what it was like to take someone's legacy and and put it forward into the world. And, and through them and through some other wonderful nonprofits um, like TAPS, um, I was able to put together the pieces. Hey, the outside military world, they don't have this and they need this because not only do they not have the answers for their questions and grief, they don't even know what questions to ask. Um, and, and that's what brought me, uh, to widow confidential.
1: I, I love it. And we're coming up on our third break. And that's fantastic, because having a purpose in life at any time is, is a good way to give you direction on your journey. And after this break, we will talk about that more. And thank you, Amber. I know these are really Details we're asking, but I think they're going to be extremely valuable to our listeners. We will come back after some short messages. You're listening to Military Network Radio, and we're talking with Amber Baum of Widow Confidential, a new nonprofit, and we'll be back after these short messages.
0: Military Network Radio and we'll be right back after these short messages.
3: It's the Fitness Minute with
0: fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
5: To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250. 50 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at annettehammond.com.
4: years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000 year old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud. Baggy wrinkled and all. Baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app Too
0: Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference.
1: Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Amber Baum and Widow Confidential. And Amber, as you moved out of the tunnel and began to see light within your grieving process, you know, what did that feel like? Jason and I were talking with you
3: about that off the air, and I'd love it if you'd share it with our listeners. Oh, it was wonderful. I'll never forget the day. It's kind of when you have those uh, historical moments where you, you never forget where you were, like 9-11 or, or the space shuttle. It's I, I never forget where I where I was when I finally got that message of how I could Um, be better. I was at a a regional taps conference and uh, Travis Manion foundation had sponsored the weekend and they had given their uh, presentation on Travis Manion and what they did at the, at the nonprofit. And it was, uh, they had answered a question that I had been searching for, for, you know, five, five, six years at that point in time is what do you do with this grief? What do you do with this loss? It's not, you know, for me naming a park or a bench or a road after Ryan was not satisfying. You know, it was great in the moment, but then when I went back home and laid down, it, it was so fleeting. It, it didn't give that permeating last of, "Wow, you know his his loss. You know we can we can still carry on his legacy here." That that didn't mean anything to me. I needed something more, um, and because I was in the military and I'm so service driven and and really want to give to my, my fellow man and woman. Um, I needed something more. And, and that's when I, the proposition of, of service was, was shown to me. And, uh, I, I ran with it. I fell to my knees. I sobbed a little bit and it was the answer I had been looking for forever. Um, my first opportunity with them was to go to Peru. Um, we hiked, uh, for 10 days up some mountains, some really high mountains. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. our, Machu Picchu. To put put it in perspective, Machu Picchu was lower than our base camp of where we hiked, um, and wow. I am not your most wonderful physical specimen out there. So it was a challenge in every way, shape, and form, and it was mind over matter because my body couldn't do it. But um, my I I had to push myself out of my comfort zone. You know, when you grieve as a widow, you you build this bubble, this safety bubble around you, and everything in this bubble you control. You become a control freak of this bubble because you never want to go back to that place where you feel helpless and lost, like where you were when you found out your husband was killed. Um, so you build this bubble and everything in this bubble is safe and everything in this bubble is good because you can control it. But outside it's me- it's mess. It's chaos. It's a no go zone. You just don't travel outside. And that's how you walk around in this bubble and everyday life. And, um, these expeditions that I went on and these service opportunities that I went on forced me to pop that bubble and come out on the other side and realize that I could let go of that grief control and um, and the world would still turn and the world was still good and I could trust it again and and that's what it did for me and I, I'm just it was it was amazing and from there I, I never looked back I took off with them and they provided me with wonderful opportunities from that point forward and and along that journey is where I met these. non-girls military widows and you know i would be so happy i'm like wow you know this i did this for ryan i did that for ryan and he would be so happy and our kids would talk and lay is like yeah i did this for my daddy and i did that for my daddy and my daddy was so happy and they didn't have any of that to attach to their grief they're they're back at stage 1 and after a while it happened over and over and over and i'm like that there is a serious disconnect from what I've had the opportunity to receive in this community versus what, you know, ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the rest of the widow community has had the opportunity to receive. And I need to fix that somehow, some way. I need to fix that. I need to find people who are willing to help me fix that and we need to run with it. And uh, and like I said, that's that's where widow confidential came about, and um So now now we're running off into the sunset with it, and we're really, really excited. I've teamed up with um, Cause Engine, which is another nonprofit that helps nonprofits get started, and um, they're helping me craft my website, which is www.widowconfidential.com. And right now, we're we're asking for donations to help us build that dedicated community for widows to help them thrive in their everyday lives and to help them piece together some meaning behind this loss. And um, and we're in we're in the baby steps, um, and we just need some help to to get to that next place where we can help these these women.
2: Sorry, so um, what? So can you talk a little bit more about um? what you're intending to do here and, and how, how you intend to sort of create this safety net for, for widows?
3: Absolutely. Thank you for that question. Um, so widow confidential, half our word is confidential and and that's for a purpose. So we want to provide a space where women feel comfortable sharing the ins and outs and ups and downs of our losses. And like I said, in the grieving process, you feel so lonely because you almost feel crazy for how you feel, but it's completely normal, but we wouldn't dare say it to our friends and family because (laughs) they wouldn't understand So I want to create this, um, this confidential and dedicated space where they can come and feel normal and feel like they're not, you know, going out of their mind and they're just on this journey and one of their peers, uh, uh, just like one of their peers. Um, so we're going to foster companionship by providing, um, dedicated and comprehensive online services. Um, we're going to Um, provide informational and educational resources through the online Um, and uh, we're also going to focus on commemorating loss through acts of community service and we're starting it's nationwide we're starting local because that's where our footprint is for uh, community service and then hopefully with help and with donations we'll be able to have a more uh, national widespread footprint
1: you know, Amber, as you're talking about the community service actions, there's something about taking action and producing something that you can see or feel um, and provide, as you put it, when, when you're helping with others and, and providing a service to others, that service heart business, it really makes a difference because having a purpose can help you go through a loss with others been through that loss. So, I imagine you're also going to be working with them to define for each person, which will be different, what's the best way to commemorate their loss, which community service um, projects interest them. How do you expect you'll go about doing that?
3: Absolutely. It'll be it'll be trial and error for every person that wants to come along. I mean, we'll start with one project. And if that's not something that they're able to physically do or that's not something that, that they're able to, you know, um, do on. It doesn't make them happy. Then we'll find we'll ask for their suggestions and we'll move on from there. I mean, maybe we'll start with a park cleanup and some people won't be able to do that because of physical capability. So maybe then we'll go to a senior center where we can read. Um <clears throat> to seniors or be able to, uh, provide them with materials that they don't have or help them in some way, um, or give back to children. Um, you know, there are lots of, uh, places around that look are looking for people to be able to read to kids and daycares and preschools, and we'll be able to plug our widows in there and, and they'll just be able to find this renewed purpose, um, and this renewed sense of pride. And every time they go to a location, they're going to say, I'm here because my husband was, this is me outliving my husband's you know my husband's legacy he was a good man and taken from this earth way too soon so i'm going to be able to come to this community center i'm going to be able to come to this school i'm going to be able to come to this park and i'm going to be able to do things in honor of him and and leave his stamp still on this world so it's not it almost doesn't feel like he's taken too soon because i can make sure that he wasn't now is this going to be for military and non-military widows Absolutely. Thank you for that question. It is it is for all widows from all walks of life and it's not just it's not just for widows. It is for fiancés, girlfriends, significant others, all women who have lost their partner.
1: That's a huge undertaking and wonderful to, to fill a niche that is absolutely needed. I, I think that oftentimes people go through their own experience, it's a very personal experience, and they, they just move on and, mm-hmm. and leave all that sadness and grief behind. What you're doing instead is taking that grief and turning it into positive acts of service. And I have no doubt you will also help so many others with your attitude of optimism and gratitude. I I can't minimize that enough. That is what comes through as you talk to us. Looking back, what are you most grateful for
3: along that journey? Mm. I'd say my family. My daughter's just been so wonderful, and my family. You know, it, it's not easy when you live together and when you're grieving. The deepest, darkest parts of your souls come out, and um, everybody was able to, you know, who's still around with me to this day was able to love me despite, you know, all of the topsy turvy emotional and uh, and dynamic personality changes that I had went through. And I- I'm I'm so grateful for them. And I'm also grateful for my fellow widow peers. They are immensely supportive and. And they're amazing women. Um, I have a a closed Facebook group where we have um, almost 1,500 widows as members. And hearing their stories every day and the everyday things that we share from, uh, you know, going, to, dropping our kids off to school, to the loss of pets, to, you know, um, great accomplishments, just being able to be in that community with my peers and in hearing their stories um, is great. It, and it's so healing and uplifting. And and that's what we want to do um, within, Widow, within Widow Confidential is bring this space, you know, both a physical space, through the service and and an online space where we can come and we can talk and we can feel safe and we can feel like we're protected, and um, and just be with one another and and share share everything.
1: I loved how you said that you found a renewed passion for life. Yeah, and you appreciated the power of laughter to
3: heal, forgive, yeah. and thrive. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, before I, I, laughter was it wasn't very common um <laughs> i i almost didn't allow myself to laugh because i felt like i was betraying my husband i mean he's dead and i'm here laughing and it's because of his military service for this community uh for this country and um and i felt guilty but um but now i don't because uh, I can do so much good because of him and through him and for him and, and, and for all of them, for everyone who's had a loss, whether it be medical um, homicide, uh, suicide. uh, I mean, you name it, whatever the loss is um, you know, there's, there's so much character and purpose behind that life. And, and it's because of their spirits and their souls that um, that I'm able to thrive and be happy.
1: Amber, thank you so much for sharing this very challenging topic with us today. Your candor is amazing, and Widow Confidential is going to be a a very successful operation. Uh, That would be found at widowconfidential.com, and we'll post that along with our article later on when we post this show. We also want to thank our sponsor today, Blue Apron, and if you're interested, please go to blueapron.com forward slash military network you can find more of our shows at militarynetworkradio.com and come back next week for some more information thank you for joining us
0: Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your